0: All right. So today we're going to be actually concluding our our Echoes of uh, from Exodus series now. Some of you may go now wait a minute. We we're kind of in the middle of Exodus, and and you are exactly right. We are not going to go through all of Exodus. I thought this would be kind of the the place where I kind of wanted to kind of close it up because in some ways uh, we kind of see things kind of take place over and over and over again as we go through Exodus. And so I felt like this was uh, a good place to kind of bring it in for a a landing. Now, of course, we could be in Exodus for another six months, but I didn't think we wanted to do that. So, but kind of where we're at this morning is we've kind of seen over the last several weeks, uh, the Israelites be in slavery, how the Egyptians made that slavery even more difficult on them, and how God wanted Moses to deliver them, that God called Moses to be the leader, to lead them into freedom, that that Moses kind of took things into his own hands and began to try to hurry up God and try to do things his own way. And, and because of that, there were some problems and some issues. And so Moses goes out to the desert. He's there for, for another 40 years. And then God comes to him. He meets him at a burning bush. He has an amazing experience. He goes back. He goes to Pharaoh and says, Listen, you got to let these, these people go. God has told me that, that he wants them free. And, and Pharaoh refuses. We go through the ten plagues. And and finally, we kind of see finally after the 10th plague, Pharaoh finally relents and he says, Okay, you can go get out of here. But as they're going, as they go out, uh, we see something take place that's a little sad. Pharaoh once again changes his mind and now he's chasing after the Israelites. That's kind of basically where we're going to pick up our story as we kind of close this series out this morning. So we're going to start in Exodus 14. We're going to start with verse number 10 and uh, read some scripture and then jump to a little bit further down in, in 14. But we're going to look at this together. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, let's open those up to Exodus 14. We're going to start with verse number 10 and go from there. Here we go. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why ha- what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just say, come. Verse number 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians... And they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers, when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Now I know that we kind of looked at this scripture last week, um, but we're going to look at this a little bit of a different way. So obviously you know the story in this situation, they're trapped, um, the Egyptians are coming, they have the Red Sea on one side, they have behind them the, the Egyptians' army, they kind of have wilderness on either side and mountains, they're, they're, they're basically trapped at this time. And so we see them coming towards them, but God. Saying, listen, if you'll listen to me, if you'll follow me, I will take care of this situation. He goes as far, Moses goes as far as to say, you'll never see the Egyptians again. So let's pick up the story again in Exodus 14. We're going to look at verse number 21 and kind of go 22 and then jump a little bit. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Now let's jump to verse number 30, still in chapter 14, and this is what it says. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up onto the seashore when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that God had unleashed against the Egyptians. They were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So obviously we know what happens at this point as the walls are separated. The Israelites go through on dry land. Pharaoh, as we saw in the earlier scripture, God says Pharaoh's going to chase after you. So he does exactly what happens. And basically when they're in the middle of that, God causes the the water to come back and basically he destroys the egyptian army and, and basically finally in a real complete way has given complete and total freedom of his people from the egyptians on this amazing day let's pray father we love you and we thank you and god i pray that you would help me as i share these words god that you would put the words in my mouth that i need to share that, Father, it would be clear and you'd be able to see every individual, whether they're here today or online, would be able to hear the words that you desire to speak to them. That your Holy Spirit would move through me, and, and that, that in that moment, Father, that those words would just change hearts and change lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, of course, we, a lot of us know this story. We've seen this story. We've seen it. Um, like we've been talking about it the whole time we've done this series, the Ten Commandments movies and all this sort of stuff, but this concept of everything happens. But as we kind of looked at last week, we kind of see some interesting things here. So we're, we're going to, I want to kind of get the end of the story before, but we're going to take it now a jump back and kind of dissect the story a little bit easier or a little bit more deeply because I think there's some things that are very interesting here that are very relevant to where we are today. And so we're going to jump in our notes and kind of look at this because it's, it's something that we need to understand. And that's this, the Israelites and Moses are faced with the exact same situation but their response is very different. Let's go back now. Now, we have to look at this in a kind of an open way because we know how the story ends. We know what takes place. We know that the sea parts, we know they walk through, we've seen it, we understand it, we know what Scripture says. But they don't. They don't know what God's going to do. They've seen God do things, but they're not quite sure how they're going to get out of this situation. And here's the other thing before we get into this. There are scriptures right before this that we could look at where basically Moses takes the people out and scripture tells us that God doesn't lead his people the exact path they think they should go. Basically because God is concerned about them being faced with battle that they're not ready for, God leads them and directs them through a path that is not the easiest, not the shortest way to the promised land. He kind of takes them on a detour so not only are these people going now wait a minute why are we going this way but now it seems like god has led them into a trap scripture tells us that that they are they're they're god was with them with an idea of a a cloud by day and fire of a cloud by night and so they're knowing where god is leading them so they're following this looking for god's direction and god has basically in their minds led them into a trap they're trapped they have no place to go. They have, they have nowhere what they can do. And so here they are in this moment, and we see a very different response from Moses and the people. Let's look at it a little bit deeper again. Exodus 14, verse number 10 and 12. The response of the people. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That that last line has such a powerful statement. It, It really shows where their heart is. It shows their mindset in this moment. Here's the thing. The Israelites, how did they respond? They responded with panic, complaining, And a desire to go back to slavery. So in this moment, they've they've experienced freedom. They are no longer slaves. But as soon as things get hard, as soon as things get difficult, as soon as things happen, quite honestly, that they don't understand, they begin to respond that way. They're freaking out. They're going, what are we doing? They're, They're basically saying, hey, it was better for us to go back into slavery than to experience this and the freedom." But here's the thing. Moses, for some reason, handles it exactly like almost a 180 difference. And it's interesting because Moses is feeling the same pressure. He's probably feeling it a little bit more because he's actually the leader in this moment. And so he handles the situation completely different. His response is different. Let's look at it together. Exodus 14, 13, and 14. But Moses told the people... Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So in Israel, we see panic and complaining and a desire to go back to slavery. Moses responds with calmness, confidence, and a desire to move forward in freedom. It's the same situation. It's the same set of situations. And here's the thing, I mean, think about it. Probably Pharaoh's going to go and he's going to go get the children of Israel and he's going to bring them back into slavery. He's probably not going to say, hey, Moses, yeah, you can come on too. He's probably going to find Moses, find Aaron, find the leaders, and he's going to kill them all. Because that's what you would do in that time. So Moses here is dealing with a lot. He's experiencing a lot. Have you ever met somebody that it's like, it doesn't matter the situation, they just seem to kind of respond like Moses? It's like their whole world could be crumbling. And it's like no matter what, their attitude, their their calm, their confidence in in God, they're like, it's almost annoying, almost, you know what I mean? You know, it's almost like you really, really feel this way, and they're like, yeah, no matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, I know God's got us, and, and I know that we can move forward. And then there's other people where it's like they get a hangnail, and it's like, oh, ah, God's left us, God hates us, God's got to get us. I mean, all those types of mentalities. There's a big difference between those two people. And here's the thing. We need to understand that. We need to understand, because here's the I believe God has called us to respond like Moses, not like the children of Israel. Because one of the reasons we're not going to just continue into Exodus is because we see this same story take place over and over and over again. We talked about it last week. I gave you scriptures and basically, you know, in, in Exodus here and Exodus here and Numbers here over to bam, 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 where it just we saw the same, same thing over and over and over again. Now, Moses wasn't perfect in this, but he always seems to respond so much better. So here's the question that I think we need to answer because I think God desires for us to respond as Moses. How was Moses able to stand firm under this tremendous pressure? We're all going to face times of pressure. We're all going to face hard times. How was Moses' response different? Why? How could he do that? When everybody else was was panicking, how was Moses able to stand firm? Well, I believe that if we look in Scripture, we can see how this took place. We're going to start all all the way in the New Testament in Hebrews. In Hebrews 11, we're going to look at Hebrews 11, 24, and 26. This is what it says. By faith... Moses when he grew was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt and here it is for he was looking to the reward he was looking to the reward I've talked about this in other messages. Some people have this 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 issue when we understand that God is a rewarder. Like God loves to give out rewards. It, it, we see it in Scripture all the time. Here's Moses, and it's looking here in Hebrews. We're seeing something very interesting. We're seeing him. He's able to do this because he's looking forward to the reward. But look, here's the thing: when the pressures of life hit how you respond in that moment will be determined in large part by what you see as your reward because here's the question what was the reward What was the reward that Moses was so focused in on that, listen, he was willing to basically take all of the things that he could possibly have. I mean, think about this. Moses basically, what we see in that scripture, what we know of his life, he basically was going to possibly be Pharaoh at some point. There's some theologians and some historians that think that was possibly in the cards for him. But even if it wasn't, he's in the king's court. I mean, this is, this is, he has everything he could possibly need or want. And he trades it all to lead these people that literally are going to drive him close to being insane. He gives it away. Why? Why? I mean, think about it. If someone walked in here this morning and basically said, hey, listen, uh, I understand, you know, you're, you know you're, you're whatever the situation is, but listen, I'm going to give you $10 billion. It's all yours, tax-free. Have at it. I think a lot of us would be kind of excited about that situation. A lot of us would be like, well, let's see. What can I get? What can I buy? What can I do? Where can I move? How many houses can I have? Or whatever. Moses was basically offered that on a silver platter. And Moses said no to it. He was focused in on the reward. But we have to identify what the reward was to Moses. Because here's the thing. You may be surprised on what it really was. But first, we need to look at what was the reward the Israelites were focused in on. Because if we see this as being a difference, we have to see what they were focused in on. Here's the thing. What was the reward the Israelites were focused in on? The Israelites were focused on the promise of the promised land. That's what they were excited about. And listen, I'm not saying that was a bad thing to be excited about. But when you look at them throughout the scriptures, throughout Egypt, or excuse me, throughout uh, uh, Exodus, you see kind of this desire. It's the promised land. It's the promise. I want the promised land. I want the land flowing of milk and honey. Basically what they're saying and in certain ways is, you know what I really want? I want the blessings of God. I want the promises of God that says, I'm going to get this and I'm going to enjoy this. And this is going to be a wonderful thing. And listen, hear me here. God loves to bless his kids. God loves to do that. And Israel was so focused on it that when things didn't go exactly the way they thought they should, they had problems. Why? Because all they cared about was the promise and how they got the promise and when they got to the promise. Why did they feel trapped in the first place? Because they looked and they said, listen, there's the promised land. It's right there. Let's just go get it. Let's just go take it. And God takes them a different direction. For a long time, when things they have a problem with the water or the food or Moses himself, they just keep going back to why isn't the promise come? We want the promise. We desire the promise. So the Israelites were focused on the promise of the promised land. They were focused in a lot of ways on the blessings of God, the hand of God. We can be that way a lot in our lives today, can't we? When things are going well, when the bank account's full, when we don't have any issues, then God loves us, God's taking care of us, and all those things. But the question becomes then, what was the reward that Moses was focused in on? Because it would be easy to think, oh yeah, Moses was focused on that too, but I don't think he was. Let's look at this together. We're going to be in Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, Moses is having a conversation with God. And it's a very telling one. We're going to start with verse number 1, and then we're going to jump down to verse number 15 in just a second. But I want you to look at this, because I think this is very telling. Exodus 33, starting with verse number 1, we're going to go to verse number 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now look here, you've got you to follow this with me leave this place. Moses at this point is on Mount Sinai having a conversation with God, a very long, lengthy, important one. You and the people you brought out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. What is this? This is the promise. This is the oath that God has given his people. He said, I will do this. I am going to fulfill my promise. Again, promises of God are not bad. They're wonderful things. We need to hold on to them, but we can't necessarily allow that to be our sole focus. So let's continue on. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Paravites, Hittites, and Jebusites. A lot of ites. But who is going to do that? Moses specifically says... An angel. Or excuse me, God says, I will send an angel. Listen to verse number three. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So here's what we're seeing, guys. Moses and God are having this amazing conversation. God once again has identified the promise, and has said, I will accomplish the promise that I gave. But he says, I'm not going with you. He literally says, I'm not going with you because if I do, I might take you all out. That is not a good thing to have God say about you if you did not know, you know. He says, I'm going to send an angel. You're going to get your promise. You're going to get your blessing. You're going to get all those things. But I'm not going with you. As we jump down to verse number 15, we see Moses' response to this. Then Moses says to him, to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses' response to this is not, hey God, it's cool. Hey, as long as I get the promise, as long as I get the blessings, as long as I get the stuff, hey man, that's all I need, man, that's awesome. Moses says, I ain't leaving this place if you're not going with us. If this is where your presence is, this is where I'm going to stay. I don't need a land flowing with milk and honey. What I need is your presence. You see, here's the thing. Moses was focused not on the promise or the promised land, but the promise, sir. What mattered most to Moses was not land and milk and honey and all the blessings of God. What mattered most to him was, I need your presence. I want to be near you. The best thing, the reward for Moses was simply God himself. You see, here's the thing. When your reward is the promiser, there is nothing else you want because you have all you need in Him. Now, can we be honest? A lot of times, the reward for us as Christians is is the promised land. Now, what's our promised land? It's heaven. It's eternity. But I will tell you this. And I have found this true in my own life and many, many others. That a lot of times, when it gets really, really hard, just honestly isn't enough. And you would think it would be. You'd think that eternal damnation away from God or eternal, you know, closeness with God would, no. You would think that maybe, oh, you know, we talked about this last week a little bit. If we saw the miracles of God, if we had, a, we talked about this last week, if we had a, a funeral here after church and we brought in a casket and we had a person sitting here and they were, they were gone, they were dead. And basically before we had the funeral, I said, hey, you know, I think it'll be fun. Before we have a funeral, I'm going to pray that God raises the person from the dead. And I do, and they raise up. Not, not because of me, but because of God. I mean, that would be pretty amazing. But even that, at least in the life of the Israelites, and quite honestly, in the lives of us, and in the lives of so many people in the Bible, it's not enough. The Pharisees and people in Scripture, they saw Jesus do amazing works right in front of their eyes, and it wasn't enough. It depends on what your reward really is. Is your reward the stuff, or is your reward God? Is the reward the hand of God, or is your reward the face of God? Because here's the thing. I think if the Israelites would have gotten the same statement from God, their response would have been, okay, yeah, God, yeah, send an angel. That's great. Send an angel. That's all, all, what we care about is the promised land. We want our land of our own. That's what we want. That's what we need, Moses said now. He says, I'd rather stay here in the desert. I'd rather stay here in the wilderness. I'd rather stay here on this mountainside. I will do whatever it takes, but I will not move unless you are with us. Unless you go with me, I won't move. And a lot of times in our life, we don't live that way. Our reward is something different. How did Moses really get that? You see, here's the thing. Moses knew that there was no substitute for the presence of God. Nothing that he could get, nothing he could gain. And remember, he had it all offered to him. Not only the blessings of God with the promised land, but all the treasures and the wisdom and the prestige of Egypt. If there was ever a man who had it all, or had the option to have it all, it was Moses, and he still said, no, there is nothing that will substitute the presence of God. Look at with with me in Exodus 3. We're going back to kind of close the series out. Exodus 3, starting with verse number 1. This is what it says. One day Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now let's stop here for a second. Okay, this is when Moses is run away from God. This is through the 40 years of the wandering that Moses had between the time where he goes back to Egypt and he ran from Egypt because he killed the Egyptian uh, official. And so we're seeing this. Now, where is he at? He's at Sinai again. Or at least he's in Sinai the first time. He's in Sinai later on when he speaks to God in Exodus 33 and says, listen, if you ain't going, I ain't going either. So look what he says here. He's, so he, this is where he's at. And let's continue on verse number two. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. In this moment, we see, uh, we could could have read more, but it's, it's a long portion of Scripture, but in this moment, we see Moses has an encounter with the living God with the presence of God. And from this time forward, what we see in the life of Moses is is not perfection. He doesn't do it all right all the time, but there is a longing. There is a desire to be close to God. He goes up on the mountain. He, He goes into the tabernacle. We see it over and over again. There's a hunger inside of him. It doesn't matter if they make it to the promised land to Moses because all Moses wants is God. All he needs is God. That presence of God that he needs, that when he's in the presence, it literally says that his face begins to shine. And so he has to wear a veil so people can actually be near him. That type of experience is the reward that Moses clinged to. That Moses said, that is what I need. That is what is the most important thing. Unfortunately, in our world today, and with many of us, God isn't the most important thing. His presence isn't the most important thing. We desire His hand, not His face. We desire what He can do for us instead of what we can do for Him or just being able to sit in His presence. Can you imagine what Moses would have been willing to give up to experience what you and I can experience today with no problem? You see, Moses couldn't just walk into God's presence we can why can we because of what Jesus has done for us we can walk boldly into God's throne room we can walk boldly into God's presence I sometimes have wondered, is Moses, you know, with God right now? And I believe he is, obviously. And I I, I, sometimes I wonder if Moses is sitting up in heaven, just follow me here. And he's literally going, do they not understand what they have? Do they not get the most important thing? Listen, I'm not, talking that, I'm, not, I'm not bashing God's promises. God's promises are yes and they're amen. They can help us. They're important to us. But I promise you this, those promises and those miracles will not be enough when the pressure gets really, really hard. And folks, if you haven't quite noticed, the pressure is getting ramped up. And in that moment... What will matter most when maybe spiritually, maybe in other ways, you got an army behind you, mountains to either side, and a sea. In that moment, what's going to matter the most is your reward. Where your focus is in that moment. Moses said, you know what, God? Thank you for your promise. Thank you for accomplishing your promise but i don't need your promise i need you when you can have an encounter with god we even sometimes will call it a burning bush encounter everything changes listen hear me here a message is not going to change you If if we sang every song that you love for 30 hours, that is not going to change you. You may enjoy it, but it's not really going to change you. What changes us, what 100% of the time is getting into God's presence and having a moment with Him. A moment where nothing else matters that God It doesn't matter anymore. When was the last time that you walked into God's presence and said, God, I don't want anything from you. I just want you. I don't need anything from you, even though you probably have needs. But right now, all I need is you. If I have you, that's all I need. In that moment, we can face no matter, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, but it always is based on what your reward really is. Because if your reward is the promise and then you begin to start dealing with the curveballs of life that begin to throw itself towards that promise, you will struggle, you will get angry, you will get bitter, you will start to complain. Let me help you out. You'll turn into exactly who the children of Israel are throughout the entire rest of the book of, of of Exodus. And I believe that God doesn't want that from us. He doesn't want that from me. He wants us to simply need him. And when we can do that, it revolutionizes everything. As a youth pastor, for so many years, I saw so many kids that tried, listen, that tried to have a relationship with God simply based on their parents' relationship with God. They tried to have a relationship with God based on their grandparents' relationship with God. They tried to have a relationship with God based on my relationship with God. And I saw it constantly over and over and over again. It was never my sharing. It was never the worship. It was always when those kids, instead of relying on someone else's encounter with God, when they had an encounter with God, it literally changed everything in their life. That's what a burning bush experience does. It changes us in the good times, in the hard times, and everything in between. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. We're going to look at one more verse. It's found in 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16, 11. This is what it says. It says, Seek the Lord and His strength seek his presence continually seek his presence continually that that word and you'll even see it in other translations that word presence it's translated from the hebrew word and it literally means face it says to seek god's face continually You know what I found in my own life? So often, I am really, really good at seeking God's hand. Really good at it. Like you need something of me to pray for, I'm on it. You're not feeling well? Woo! I'm your man. You having financial situations? Bring it on. You got problems with your kids, having issues with your spouse. Hey, I'm your man. I am a great prayer when it comes to the hand of God. Now, do I believe that we should pray for that stuff? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. God invites us to. He tells us to. He says, bring your needs. But you know what I'm not so good at prayer on? (laughs) It's a weird way to put it. I'm not always so good at just coming to God and saying, God, I don't want anything from you except you. I don't need anything. Even though I'm a needy person and I know people that have needs, right now, that can just, you'll take care of it, God. But right now, I just want you. I just need you. I just want your presence. Some reason that's harder for me, and I got a feeling probably, if we're all honest, it's harder for all of us. Moses had an amazing relationship with God, one that we should desire and want to emulate. And I think it all started from a desire in Moses just to be in God's presence. I mean, think about, think about it. And listen, I encourage you read, read the rest of, 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 of Exodus. I mean, it'll drive you crazy a little bit because I mean, you just kind of do the same thing over and over and over again until finally God says, You're not going. I'll lead your children into the promised land. But it just kind of goes over and over and over again. There are times and you can see Moses get frustrated. I I can only I, I would love to be like to have recorded the moments where, where Moses just went into God's presence and was like, God, just take me home right now. I am just so sick of this. I can't do this anymore. But just knowing what we know of Moses, I think there was a moment even after that where he just went, you know what? I just want to be near God. I just want to be near Him. Listen, what this world needs, as you look at it, it is not another great sermon. It's not for the church to be super hip or super traditional or, or to play music's that are all old hymns or new songs or like my grandmother says, you know, like because they used to have projectors, you know, that shot them out, like singing off the wall or singing out of a hymn book. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But listen, that's not what's going to change this world. It's not what's going to change you and it's not what's going to change me. Now, does God use those things? Please understand, absolutely. But the biggest thing that you and I need is another burning bush experience. You say, Aaron, I've had 45 of them. Awesome. Let's have 46 and then have 47 because God doesn't sit there with a clicker and go, okay, you're at your limit. And we get to walk into God's presence at any moment, at any time. Doesn't matter if we didn't wash our hands quite right or kill some animal. We get to walk into God's presence boldly at any moment. What will change you is that. What God wants to do is that. So this morning as we close, we're gonna close with just a a worship song. And, And here's the thing. This is another opportunity. This is another opportunity not to just stand and sing a song, but an opportunity to be in God's presence and just bask and abide in his presence. To say, God, right now, I'm not going to ask you for what I need. Right now, I just want to be near you. And that's what changes us. That's what God desires to do in those secret moments of those secret places. And today, we can have that moment with him. Doesn't matter if you're at home watching online, or you're here, or it's Wednesday at 11:38 p.m. You can experience God's presence. God invites you to be with Him. So, Father, we come to you right now, and Father, we just stop and we say we love you, God. We acknowledge we're a needy people. We acknowledge we have needs. You know those needs before we ask. But God, right now, God, I pray for each one that's here, each one that's home online, wherever they're at, that in this moment, in this time, we would put that all aside. And we just want you. Change us, Father, in your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
1: When the music fades And all is stripped away In a symphony i
0: about your hand it's about your face god help us and this may be a weird way to put it but help us to push your hand aside and just go after your face we don't need more stuff god we just need you God, we're thankful for the promises. We're thankful for your blessing. We're thankful for all that you do. But God, it's all about you. It has always been all about you. We get into trouble when we try to make it about all the other things. Father, as I look at the world today, I see so many people that have turned it into all about your hands and not enough about your face. All we need is you. All we need is you. Yes, you'll do all the other things in the timing and in your way and in your plan. But that's not why we're here. We just want you. God, let that be the cry of our heart. Let that be the desire of our heart that says, you know what? God, it doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is just to be in your presence. All that matters is to be with you. It doesn't matter if I make it to the promised land or not. It doesn't matter if I see the promise that you've promised or not. You'll take care of it. If you promised it, it'll come. I don't care. I'm not worried about it. What I focused in on and what I need and what I want more than anything is just you. And in those moments, God, change my heart. In those moments, change my mind. In those moments, change my attitude. In those moments, do what only you can do. Because when you do those things, the natural result is we just want more and more and more and more of you. And we can never get enough. We'll spend all of eternity trying to get more And that is a well that will never run dry. So Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you invite us to bring our needs. And that's great. But God, help us not to make that the main thing. Help us to make you the main thing. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, thanks for uh, everybody for being here this morning. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope to see you soon. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. Let us know what's going on and and let us know so we can be praying for you and just be there for you. And uh, for those that are here, again, thanks for being here. We're going to head over to Jason's Deli after service. I hope you can join us. Hope you have a wonderful week. I love you. We'll talk to you soon.